Well, you know, when I was at IU, and I think I've told you this story, but I just want to, you know, I, when I was at IU, I remember going to a class, and they told us that we were just a product of evolution, that there were just two rocks that hit each other, and boom, and over billions and billions of years, you know, suddenly a tadpole formed, and that tadpole became a frog, and the frog climbed out, and it grew legs, and yada, 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 and here we are billions of years later, people. Okay, now, again, if you truly believe that if you blow up a junkyard, one day a car is going to drive back, then more power to you. I just can't believe that. But I remember um, hearing that. It was really the first time I'd been exposed to it. And I remember walking out of class that day, going through what they call the sample gates there at IU. And I was pondering this. And I just thought, okay, if this is true, then there is no God. Then we're just on this ball spinning out in space. And I just felt lonely. What, what's the point? I mean, really, what, what is the point? I mean, if we're just on this ball spinning out in space, we live, we die, that's it, we're worm food, who cares what's going to happen? I mean, really, what is the point? Now, I, I, it was just a feeling of aloneness. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I like solitude. There's a certain amount of me that just likes to be alone, okay? I'm okay generally with solitude to a point, but there's a difference between having times of solitude and being isolated, okay? I mean, I like my moments of solitude, and, and I enjoy uh, being by myself, uh, but I don't want to be isolated. I don't want to be isolated from my wife. She balances me, okay? I tend to be a workaholic, and she balances me and tells me to slow down, and, and uh, she helps me when I'm feeling depressed and down, and she tries to lift me up, so I, I praise the Lord for her because she really helps me. And, and so I don't mind being alone, but I don't want to be isolated. Why? Because it's nice to know somebody cares, right? We all, at our core of our being, we want to know that somebody cares for us. We want to have somebody to talk to when we're struggling. We want somebody to say, it's going to be okay. We want somebody to say, we're going to get through this together. So I don't think any of us here wants to live in isolation. We want to be cared for. We want to be loved. We want that person to give us that feedback and things like that. Now, when it comes to God, I think, even if you're not sure there is a God, everybody wants to believe there is something out there so we can feel connected. All of us want to feel like, if there is a God, I certainly would like to be connected with him, or whatever's up there, right? So even if you're watching on Facebook this morning, like, I don't know if there's a God or not, okay, but I bet you, in down deep inside, you want, you wish, you hope, something is up there. That you can connect with. You know, there was an old hymn written in 1912. It's about Easter morning. A lot of you may know this hymn, and I think it's well-loved by a lot of people because it resonates. You probably know it. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses, and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He speaks, and the sound of his voice is so sweet the birds hush their singing, and the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. I'd stay in the garden with him, though the night around me be falling, he, but he bids me go through the voice of woe. His voice to me is calling, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there None other has ever known. 
We like that song, right? Because it's about this intimate relationship. And if you know the story, it's about Mary coming into the garden on Easter morning and hearing him say, Mary. And, and it's really kind of a, it's kind of a, a, a poem about that, that moment. And it really communicates what we all want. We want an intimacy with God at our core. Even if you're not even sure there is a God, I guarantee you at your core, you, you may not want to admit it, but at your core you're like, I hope there's something up there. I hope there is a God because if there is, I would like to know God. And, and you know, I believe there's a God up there because, again, because I want God I believe God built that desire into me, okay? God is the creator. I'm his creatures. And I believe that the reason that I want that intimacy is because God built it into me. He is, he is uh, the creator, okay? And, and if God's up there, and I believe he is, and, and God wants, uh, and I want God, then I gotta believe God wants me, right? Because what good parent, and I'm gonna preface that with good, what good parent doesn't want a relationship with their child, Right? I mean, if you have a parent out there that wasn't, doesn't want to have a relationship with their child, you say, that's not a good parent, man. That's a bad parent. But if God is who he is, which means he's perfect and he's sinless and he's holy and he's just and he's righteous, then he is the ultimate parent. And so if God being the ultimate parent, definitely you would think God would want to have a relationship with his children. And, and again, why do we feel that way? Because we're created in his image. So God created eternity in our hearts. And so there is this desire to us to have that connection with him. And again, God wants to have a connection with us. So how do you do it? How can you and I enjoy an intimate relationship with God? How is it? And maybe right now in your life, you're feeling like you're really disconnected from God. Maybe you're like, I, I don't have an intimate relationship with God. I don't even know where to begin with this. How does this work? How can I even connect to God? So if you have your Bibles, if you don't, we'll have it on the screen. Turn to Psalm 15. We've been kind of hitting some psalms here. And it's a very short psalm. It's only a few verses long. But this psalm, I think, lays out the roadmap for what it takes to have an intimate relationship with God because I know this about you even if you're not sure there is a God you want it if it's possible we want it we want to feel loved we want to feel cared for we want to feel like when we pray somebody's listening right and that somebody cares what we have to say and we pray now before we jump into Psalm 15 if you've ever been to college You've probably heard of what they call prerequisites. Big word. If you go to college in your first year and you're looking in the catalog of courses to take and you say, oh, math, 301, that sounds like fun, and you go in to register for the class, guess what the register is going to say? The registrar is going to say, have you had math 101 and 201? I don't see it on your transcripts. Because you haven't had 101 and 201, you can't go to 301. Now, why do they do that? Is it because they're mean? No. It's because you need the foundation of 101, and then you need to build on top of that with 201 before you get into 301s. Okay, I remember years ago when I, when I was at college, originally I wanted to go into audio engineering. And so I was uh, trying to get courses for that. And I remember at summer school, uh, I, I, I went ahead and went through the summer because I was wanting to get some courses. And I walked in this class, big classroom, and, and the professor was talking about vectors. 
and he had all these math things going on, and I walked out and thought, ain't no way. <laughs> I had no clue what he was talking about, and, okay, and I dropped that class like a hot potato. It was beyond me. It was like a 401 level course, and maybe on paper I could take it, but I knew that I didn't get it. All right. Here's the thing. If you want to have a relationship with God, intimacy with God begins with God. So it begins with Him, but there are two prerequisites that you have to have before you can have an intimate relationship with God. Here's the first one. You've got to acknowledge that God even exists. You've got to start there. Let's look at Psalm 51, verse 1. Here's what David, King David's writing this. He is the king of Israel, and he says this. He says, Lord, oh, that's the wrong passage. I'm going to read out of the Bible here. It's the wrong one. He says, Lord, who can dwell in your tent? Who can live on your holy mountain? And that's my mistake. Sorry about that. Who can dwell in your tent? Who can live on your holy mountain? But notice the first word. It is Lord. Lord. The first thing he starts with is Lord. So here's the thing. If you want to have an intimate relationship with God, you first have to acknowledge that he's there. You have to acknowledge that God exists, okay? If you go around and say, there is no God, there is no God, then guess what? You're never going to meet him. You're never going to meet him. If you're not willing to acknowledge his existence, then you're never going to meet him, okay? Now, here's the question. Why would people refuse to believe there is a God? I, again, I showed this on Wednesday night. Um, We've been talking about salvation, the mechanics of salvation. I showed this video clip, and it was a young man at a college campus who, uh, who was saying he didn't believe in God. And so the, the uh, speaker was interacting with him for about 15 minutes. And so this young man just kept throwing up objection, 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 and you know, and there is no evidence. And the speaker's like, uh, there's creation, look around you. Well, you know, there's a leap. And he, he just came up with all sorts of reasons. And finally, the, the, uh, the Christian apologist, which means defender of the faith, the guy said, um, let me ask you a question. Would you believe, would you even consider believing that God exists and Christianity is true? And the young man said, no. I won't believe. In other words, you give me all the evidence in the world, I'm not going to believe it. Now the question is why are there people out there, and there might be some watching today, that you don't believe God exists. Maybe you're here in the room. You're not sure. Why is that? Why, if you say, look, let me give you all the reasons. Somebody had to put this into place. Somebody had to create this. Intelligence had to happen to create this. You know, somebody had to give us emotions. Somebody had to give us, and we can go through all those reasonings of why God exists. Look around you. Look at the world. I mean, this is a miracle. How do you explain this other than an intelligent being created this universe? So why is it that some people say, I don't want to believe it? You know why? Fear. Because if I, in fact, he acknowledged it in the video, the young man, if I believe, then that means there's a third party telling me what to do, and I don't want to hear it. That means that I'm responsible for my life. That means that God can rightly judge, and I don't want that. I want to live my life how I want to live it, and I want to live it based on how I feel. But here's the deal. You're never going to experience an intimate relationship with God if you don't even start with believing that he's there. The Bible says that if we believe God, he rewards those who believe him. 
we have to first take that first step. Now that's first prerequisite, pretty basic. Second prerequisite is this. God is your Lord. So again, look at verse 15 again, uh, chapter 15, verse 1. Lord, who may dwell in your tent? Who can live in your holy mountain? The prerequisite here is Lord. Again, now that word Lord, so the first thing is David says, I believe you exist, Lord. But that word Lord also means master. It means owner. So David's not only acknowledging that God exists, but David is saying, you are my Lord. You are my master. You are my owner. You know, several hundred years after David wrote this, Jesus Christ came to this earth and walked on this earth. Guess what title Jesus went by? Lord. God in the flesh. Master. So when people like Peter fell down at his feet and said, Lord, depart from me, I'm not worthy. Peter's saying, you're the master, you're the king. I, I can't even be in your presence. Just get, get away from me, Lord. I'm, I'm a sinner. Again, it's that whole thing that, that, that since the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has revealed, Jesus Christ proved that he is the Lord. He proved that he's Lord. His miracles support it, his teachings support it, but his resurrection proves that he is the Lord. So how do you acknowledge that God is your Lord? You have to turn from your sin. First step. Believe that he exists and then believe and turn from your sin. Say, okay, God, I admit it. I am a sinner. I have walked on my own way. I have, I have done things my own way. You've got to turn from your sin. You've got to repent. You've got to turn towards him and walk towards him and trust him with your life. You've got to have that intimate relationship with Christ. Call upon him and ask him to save your soul. I'm just telling you, unless you have these first two prerequisites, you're not going to know God. You can know about him. Oh, I believe there is a God. That's great. Oh, I believe Jesus was a person. That's wonderful. Do you have a relationship with God? In order to do that, prerequisite. You've got to acknowledge he exists and then turn to him for salvation, for deliverance. Because everybody in here, everybody in this world is a sinner. And we all need redemption through his blood. So the Bible says, whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the first two prerequisites. And now, if you don't meet those first two prerequisites, if you're here this morning and you're just uh, not sure that you believe there's a God or you've never called upon Christ to save you, what I'm getting ready to say next honestly doesn't quite work for you, okay? Because those are the first two prerequisites, all right? Now we're getting ready to go to level 301. So level 101 is you've got to believe that he exists and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Level number two is you've got to turn from your sin and call upon Christ to save you. Jesus died for your sins on the cross. You've got to do that if you're going to even begin to experience an intimate relationship with God. If you haven't done those first two things, get, what I'm getting ready to say doesn't, doesn't work. Amen. All right. Now, if you have responded to Christ, then we can talk about how to develop an intimate relationship with God. Because let me share with you another thought. Intimacy with God begins with and continues by living for God. Intimacy with God begins with and continues by living for God. Now let's, let's read the rest of the passage here and uh, let's look at verse 2. It says this, the one who lives blamelessly, practices righteousness, and acknowledges the truth in his heart, 
who does not slander with his tongue, who does not harm his friend or discredit his neighbor, who despises the one rejected by the Lord, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his word, whatever the cost, who does not lend his silver at interest or take a bribe against the innocent, the one who does these things will not be shaken or will not be moved. Look at the actions real quick. Just, just look at the actions. First of all, lives honestly. Verse 2, lives honestly practices righteousness, and acknowledges the truth. All right? Those are the, th- those are the actions right there. If you want to experience intimacy with God, you've got to live honestly. Another way it's translated is to live blamelessly. In other words, you've got to be honest about your sin. Now listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's awesome. Here's the deal. If you're a follower of Jesus, you still have a sin nature. All right? While we're on this planet, we still have a sin nature. Now, You're not a a sinner, you're a saint who may sin sometimes, but you still have that sin nature. And and Paul says our spirit and our flesh are constantly at war with each other. But if you want to have an intimate relationship with God and you are Christ's follower, then you and I have to be honest about our sin when we sin. We have to get on our knees or however you want to do it. You can drive down the road and say, God, you know what? This came to mind. I have sinned. This is wrong. Please. Forgive me. Live honestly. Be honest with yourself about your sin. Don't give excuses. God doesn't care about your excuses. Well, God, I know I said that cuss word the other day, but that driver cut me off. What? No. Well, the driver may have cut you off, but you're still profaned. You still use profanity. God, I, I know, but, you know, she deserved it. You know, she, she, she deserved that. No, no, no. If you cross the line and sinned in your anger then you need to repent. Jesus reinforced this whole thought in verse number two. He said this in Matthew 5, verse 8. He says, the pure in heart are blessed, for they will see God. The pure in heart are blessed, for they will see God. How do you have an intimate relationship with God? Pure in heart. How do you stay pure in heart? Being honest with God about yourself and about your sin. Okay, and and, and let me just say this. Intimacy with God doesn't happen by just talking about God. It's also about doing. Notice those actions in verse 2. Living honestly. Acknowledging the truth. Those actions. Practicing righteousness. Those are actions. It's not just talking about God, okay? So again, here's the thing, and it's a sad thing. But statistically, there is not much of a difference between evangelical Christians, people who say that God is, Jesus Christ is the Lord of their lives, and people who are not Christians. In fact, it's shown that one out of three born-again Christians, people will say, yes, I repented of my sin, and yes, Jesus is my Lord. One out of three born-again Christians say, hey, same-sex unions are good. Not what the Bible says. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Now, we're to love everybody. But we can't say that's okay. 39% of born-again Christians say it's okay if you live together before marriage. The Bible calls that fornication. It's not good. Born-again Christians are just as likely to have a divorce than non-believers. What's the problem here? Oh, I know God. I, I'm a Christian. Really? Okay. It's not about just saying that. What are you doing? Are you living honestly? Are you practicing righteousness? Are you acknowledging the truth? Again, 
Intimacy with God doesn't begin just by knowing about God. It begins by being. It begins by doing. And again, acknowledging those things. You have to practice righteousness. You have to acknowledge the truth in your heart. And, and notice there in verse 2, the heart, you have to acknowledge truth in your heart. The heart is the real you. Your heart is why you say the things you do. Your heart is why you think the things you do. Your heart is why you do the things you do. Your heart is the real you. Here's what Proverbs 29, uh, 27 verse 19 says this, as the water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. How you and I respond, how we react, points to our heart. Matthew 15, 18, Jesus said this, but what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. What we say, what we do, this is a reflection of what's on the inside. There is a coincidence, Sam Storns commented when he was talking about this passage, he said there's a coincidence between what we think on the inside and what we say on the outside. And again, David says the person that is going to have that intimate relationship with God he calls him Lord, he acknowledges he exists, and he is the master of his or her life. And not only that, but they do things like they live honestly, they're honest about their sin, they acknowledge righteousness, they walk blamelessly before the Lord. They, they, they do, those are what they do. Now, let's also look about what they say. Look at verse 3. He does not slander. Here's what a person who has an intimate relationship with God doesn't do. Does not slander with his tongue. Wow, all you have to do is watch TV every day, and there's a lot of slander, especially in politics. Man, people are just constantly slandering people in politics, and you would say, what is slander? It's basically making false charges against somebody with the goal of destroying their reputation. We've seen that played out so many times if you follow politics at all. Make these slanderous charges with no proof, no evidence, but the charge is out there. It's slander. And it's a trick of politicians. Some of you all may remember the McCarthy era. In Florida, uh, Floridian Claude Pepper was one of the Senate's most outspoken liberals. And he was on the conservatives' hit list, along with a lot of other senators. So the guy running against Claude Pepper launched a slander campaign. And he, he called his opponent the Red Pepper. He launched a campaign to expose uh, Pepper's secret vices, and he disclosed that Pepper was a known extrovert. His sister was a thespian, and his brother a practicing homo sapien. I hope you all are listening. Worst of all, he practiced celibacy before marriage. Naturally, voters were horrified, and he didn't get elected. Again, people saying things, trying to defame somebody. Again, you can't have an intimate relationship with God when you're slandering other people. Just can't do it. When you're bringing false charges against people with the goal of damaging their, their reputation, you can't have an, an intimate relationship with God. It doesn't work. Look at what else he doesn't do. Verse 3, he doesn't discredit his neighbor. Now, why would you discredit your neighbor? Pride. We want to be better than them. Always putting them down. Oh, yeah, but again, Paul said this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. He said, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, 
but in humility. Consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Again, the only way we can do that, to look out for the interests of others and not be filled with conceit and pride, is to walk in humility, to walk in honesty about our sin. Again, you live honestly, you practice righteous, you seek the truth. Intimacy, intimacy with God begins with and continues by living for God. Here's some more practical advice. Look at verse 4, Psalm uh, 15, verse 4. Not only this, but the, who despises the one rejected by the Lord, but honors those who fear the Lord. A person who is going to have an intimate relationship with God is a person who despises the one rejected by the Lord. Now you say, what does that mean? Well, let me just put this way. Let me ask you a question. Who do you admire in our culture today, we have all sorts of celebrities. We live in a celebrity culture. We have music celebrities. We have action, cele uh, action celebrities. Uh, we have actors who are celebrities. We have sports celebrities. We have politicians who are celebrities. Who do you admire? Who do you watch? Say, oh man, I want to be like him or I want to be like her. Well, let me ask you, who is that person? What is that person really like? Do you really like that singer whose music is full filled with profanity? In wickedness? Do you really like that person? Do you, do you really admire that politician who goes about slandering other people so that he or she can get his or her way or get elected to office or who's living in a moral life? Do we admire that person, that sports star, because he's a, a great batter, he's got a multi-million dollar uh, contract, and yet the guy lives wickedly? Who do you admire? Or do you admire the person that speaks God's truth? Do you admire those who stand up for the Lord? Do you admire those who walk in righteousness and walk in holiness? Who do you admire? Do you admire those who love their enemies? Do you admire those who live out God's truth? Now, who do you admire? The person who has an intimate relationship with God doesn't admire the people that are living wickedly, but admires those who are walking in God's truth. Here's another thing. Look at verse 4. The person who is in an intimate relationship with God keeps God's word no matter what the cost. Oh, and today that's really becoming an issue. A lot of people are abandoning the faith. It's too dangerous. People, you know, well, you can't say that. Well, the Bible says the opposite. I know, but that's not, and people are kowtowing down to that. You know, here's what James said. He said this, adulteresses, and he's talking to Christians who are trying to have it both ways. He's saying, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to become the world's friend becomes God's enemy. We can't be friends with a system that rejects and mocks and ignores God. Following God means you keep God's word no matter what. Anne Askew, at the age of 25, you may have not heard her name, she was burned at the stake at age 25 because she would not refuse to back down on her belief that Jesus Christ is the Lord, Savior. She said right before they lit the fire, they had already tortured her on the rack, right before they lit the fire to burn her to death, she said, I am not come hither to deny my Lord and my Master. Another one, John Huss, he's, he was a bohemian reformer. He believed that God's word was God's word. It was the infallible, inspired word of God. And he died for that belief. 
And his last words as they were getting ready to execute him is, he said this, what I taught with my lips, I now seal with my blood. An intimate relationship means that you begin with God and you continue to live for God. Again, Psalm 15, verse 4, gives us a real-life example of what a person who lives honestly, acknowledges righteousness, acknowledges the truth, looks like. And not only is it what they say, and not only is it what they do, but it's also about what they do, not only with relationship with other people, but what they do with their finances. Look at verse 5. He does not lend his money at interest or take bribes against the innocent, the one who does these things will never be moved. In other words, a person who has an intimate relationship with God looks out for the poor and the downtrodden and does everything he can. Now listen, I know there's a lot of people hurting in our world, and we all want to fix everything, but we can't. But I love this saying that Andy Stanley says, do for one what you could wish you could do for all. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. You may have limited resources. We have limited resources as a church, but we'll do for one what we can do. We'll do it for one for what we can. The whole idea is you don't have a person here in verse five, in verse four, in verse five who is trying to, to squeeze all the money that he can. That's not the point. His point is to, a person who's walking with enemies of God wants to help those who are struggling, wants to help those who are innocent. Why? Because God is a God of compassion. How can you have a relationship with a God of compassion when you yourself are not going to be compassionate? doesn't work that way. Now, how do you know if you're in an intimate relationship with God? Well, first of all, you have to have the prerequisites. You've got to acknowledge God exists and respond to him in faith as Lord and Savior. And then these other things that we looked at, verses 2 through 5, are examples of what a person who's in an intimate relationship with God does. These are the actions of that kind of a person. But how do you know you're in an intimate relationship with God? Is it by feelings? No. Because guess what? Feelings come and go. How do you know you're in an intimate relationship with God? Is it by knowing about God? No, you can know about God, but that's not the same as being in a relationship with God. How do you know you're in an intimate relationship with God? It's by your actions. The last part of verse 5 up there on the screen, the one who does these things will never be moved. In other words, the way you can tell you're in an intimate relationship with God is you are at peace with God. The way you can tell you're in an intimate relationship with God is there is joy despite your circumstances because you know God's in control. God's got this. The way you know you're in an intimate relationship with God is you exhibit the fruit of passion, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, things that are beyond your normal capacities. Intimacy with God begins with God and continues by living for God. So let me ask you, do you want to have intimacy with God? Say, yeah, I do. All right, first of all, it begins with salvation. Has there been a point in your life when you know personally, not because your friend did it, not you walked down the aisle because your friends did it at church, or not because you were baptized as a baby, or all that, or not because you're a member of a church. I'm asking, has there been a point in your life when you have been gripped by God's conviction and said, I am a sinner and I need a Savior? Has there been that point? I'm not asking if you know about God. 
Not asking if no Bible stories. I'm asking, has there been a time when God has gripped your heart and you have said, I need a Savior. Lord, please save my soul. I need help. I believe Jesus died on that cross for me. Please save me. That's the very first start. And if you've never done that, if you're watching on Facebook or even here this morning, and you're like, Jim, I've never done that, you can do it right now. Right now. A few moments, we're going to bow our heads, close our eyes. You, you can right there in your, in your seat just say, God, please save me. I'm tired of running from you. I turn from my sin. I don't want that in my life. I reject my sin. Please come into my heart and save me. And if you, if you do that this morning, come up and tell me. Let's talk. Because we want to rejoice with you. Okay? We want to rejoice with you. I don't care what age you are. We want to rejoice with you and help you on that. But if you say, Jim, I know I've done that, then the question is, okay, if you've met that prerequisite, then what are your actions right now? Because if you're living in sin, ain't going to have intimate relationship with God. Ain't going to happen. If you're making excuses for sin, not going to have a relationship with God. Ain't going to happen. Not until you live honestly, acknowledge the truth, practice righteousness. So my question to you this morning is, are you enjoying an intimate relationship with God? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, this morning I, I pray that, first of all, if there's somebody here who doesn't know if they're going to heaven, who who isn't sure about their salvation, that this morning they will get it nailed down, that right now, they will ask you to save their souls, repent of their sin, and say, I want you, Christ, to save me. I pray right now they'll do it and mean it. And Lord, there may be some who have met that prerequisite, but they have not been living for you. And all these things, maybe they've been guilty of slandering people, not showing compassion towards people. They've been guilty of living in sin. They've, they've been guilty of, of admiring the wrong things. They, they're not living for you. That right now I pray, Lord, for those who may be doing those things that will repent and turn our eyes on Jesus. Lord, it's my desire to have and continue to have that intimate relationship with you. And there may be some this week that stumbled a little bit on their Christian walk. I pray that they'll repent and get back up and continue to move forward. Help us daily to examine our lives and to live honestly. So Lord, I'm going to pause for a few moments and just in our hearts, I pray that we'll lift up our, our, our cries to you now. Father, I pray if there's somebody here this morning on Facebook or here in the room who acknowledged Christ as their Savior today for the first time, that they'll tell us so we can rejoice with them. And Lord, I pray for others who may be not enjoying that intimate relationship. I pray that we have repented and we will walk out of here doing life differently, living out verse 2, living honestly, acknowledging the truth and practicing righteousness. 
so we pray all these things in the name of Christ. Amen. So, if God's been working on your heart this morning, uh, we're going to sing a closing song, but I'd be glad to meet with you afterwards or, uh, uh, and talk to you, or Brother Tom or anybody. We can talk to you this morning, Brother Bobby. Um, because if you don't know Christ, you're like, I'm not really sure about the salvation thing. Let's talk. Let's get it nailed down. And if you've not been walking with the Lord and you say you're a Christian, then let's talk. <laughs>